0: I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1. That's our text this morning, and as you're watching there at home, I want you to do something else for me, because I'm going to ask you later in the sermon to to take some steps. And I want you to find a, a pen and a piece of paper, because at the time we reach the end of the sermon, I don't want you having to run around the house trying to find a pen and paper. Uh, Or don't put me on pause at that point either. I want you to be listening, so go ahead now and find a a piece of paper and a pen, because you're going to need that later. And I want you to look with me in Joshua chapter 1. As we have been looking, last week we looked at Joshua and the people of Israel taking their first step, that next step as they enter into the promised land. And we talked about some of those first steps that were taken, but we understand that when things are changing, and when things are uncertain in our lives, and when difficulties and challenges are facing us, that sometimes that next step can be difficult. It can be hard. There's a number of folks I know in our congregation that are taking that next step, and they're, they're challenged and discouraged right now because of the next step of uh, a change in their family through death. They've lost a loved one, and they're thinking, how will, I, how will I move forward? How will I go on? And they are in need of encouragement. And there's others who are struggling with physical needs, and they've been up and down, and they've been through time after time. And they need that encouragement because that next step seems to be a challenge. In Joshua chapter 1, the people of Israel, their next step of crossing Jordan is a challenge. The next step for Joshua, stepping in and taking over the leadership of the nation, that's a challenge for him. And when we see these, we see the truth in this passage, the truth of encouragement. Joshua needs encouragement. The people need encouragement. I want to preach to you this morning on encouragement. Who needs it? Encouragement is something that's powerful. There's a number of people through the years that have spoken about this. One writer put it this way. He said, you never know when a simple moment and a few sincere words can have an impact on a person's life. Someone else was speaking about the lasting impact of encouragement and said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me and I will not forget you. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, spoke of the universal need of encouragement when he said, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? That person is breathing. And so there are people all around us who need encouragement. And as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to see some biblical ways that we can give biblical encouragement. When I speak about encouragement, uh, I'm not talking about general encouragement. Now, general encouragement is important, and we need that. But I'm talking about something more than what some of you are going to do in just a couple of hours when you're watching your favorite football team play in the playoffs. And you're going to be encouraging those players. You're going to be telling them to go. It's more than what you do with your kids when you're seeing them do something well or you're seeing them struggle and you're trying to encourage them in school. Those things are good, but that's general encouragement. I'm talking about biblical encouragement. I'm talking about something that is spiritual more than just emotional are intellectual. It's not just trying to encourage the mind. It's encouraging the soul. It's something that is grace-centered rather than merit-centered. It's not what I deserve. It's, this, is, this is a grace that is given, and it's something that is focused on Jesus and His work in us and Christ and His work in us. It is God-centered rather than man-centered. You see, a lot of Man-centered encouragement is is well-meaning, but it's not helpful because it it doesn't work in this world. But the encouragement that we give as believers, that biblical encouragement, is something that is rooted in the unchanging nature and grace of God. And that's what I'm talking about. Let me give you a couple of definitions that I think sort of summarize this. Here's the first definition of biblical encouragement that we're talking about today, not just the attaboys and the you-can-do-its. It's those who have received God's grace extending God's grace to those who need God's grace. Let me repeat that for you. Here's the definition. It's those who have received God's grace extending God's grace to those who need God's grace. Here's another definition. It's God's people Engaging in God's work by emphasizing God's work in another person's life. To urge them forward in doing God's work themselves. It's a powerful thing. And it's very interesting how many times in the Scriptures we are commanded. You know, I was thinking, and I I plan to do a study. Maybe you'll want to read through the New Testament and see the number of times that encouragement is given and then also the times that we are commanded to encourage or edify or comfort one another. We're commanded to do this. Why is this such an emphasis? Why is this? There's so many times that we're spoken to about this. It's because it is such a continual need. I think this morning of so many of our church family that over these past few weeks have walked to the cemetery beside the casket of a loved one. And they've stood there and they've they've said goodbye to that loved one. And they know in their heart that they will see them again, but in their heart they're experiencing that grief. I'm thinking this morning of some of our community workers who are challenged after two years of going through extra stress on their job. And they're discouraged and they need encouragement. I'm thinking about students who are being tested in their faith and they need their parents and they need their, uh, their friends to come around them and encourage them. And I'm thinking about those who have faithfully served and time after time, maybe some of you who are watching this morning, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe you're a nursery worker, maybe you've just served in some way and you've persevered and you've pressed on and you've held fast. But you're reaching that point where you desperately need encouragement. Now, let me tell you something. Sometimes we think that person doesn't need encouragement. They're always the one who encourages. But who will encourage the encouragers? Sometimes the person who seems to need encouragement least is the very one who needs it the most. So how do we do this? I want you to see in this passage four ways that we can give this biblical encouragement, not merely general, but very specific spiritual encouragement. Number one, I want you to see in verse 11, how can we obey the command that God gives us in Hebrews 13, that we're to encourage one another daily? We first can encourage by our faith. In verse 11, as Joshua is getting ready, he's preparing the people for crossing over into the, in, crossing the Jordan into the land of promise. Here's what he says to them. Pass through the host. He commands the officers and he says, pass through the host of the people and command the people saying, prepare you victuals. Now that's food. For within three days we shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess. What is Joshua telling them? You would think, hey, we're getting ready to cross the river. Maybe he would go through and say, now I want you to go through and tell the people to build some pontoons. <laughs> Maybe build some kind of structure. Maybe... Maybe get, your, get some boats ready, but he doesn't do that. He trusts God. He takes steps that assume that God is going to take care of the need. How are they going to get over the Jordan? There's no bridges over the Jordan. There's no way of getting across. Joshua understands that God is going to work. To prepare for a task that there is no evidence of is an evidence of faith. And so Joshua says, hey, get your food ready. What is his his faith doing? It is encouraging the people to trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. We don't seek to encourage others by making them aware of how great our faith is. We need to simply demonstrate our faith, seek to have deeper faith, and then they will be encouraged by it. I have been very encouraged in these past days by the, by the faith of the people of God to see as they go through some of these struggles and trials and they, they go through loneliness and there are those who are being challenged emotionally and spiritually and physically and they're going through these challenges and they're, going, they're making it through, they're persevering not because of their own strength but because of the faith that they have in God. That encourages me. So Joshua, by the demonstration of his faith, demonstrating our faith by living it out in obedience is an encouragement to others. Think this morning about someone that you know who has been an encouragement to you by simply observing their steadfast faithfulness. There are those that come to my mind this morning who never did anything extraordinary, but they were faithful in serving God, they were faithful in believing God And they were heroes of the faith to me. Because when I think about being faithful and steadfast, I'm reminded of their faith. Number two, I want you to see that you can encourage by your obedience. You can encourage by your obedience. Look in uh, verse 16 and 17. The people answered Joshua saying, All that you command us, we will do. And whithersoever you send us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. All that you command us, we will do. All that you tell us. Can you imagine how challenged Joshua was? He's stepping into to fulfill, he's, he's filling the shoes of Moses as the leader. He's seen all that Moses has done. He's seen the miracles. Of course they listened to Moses. (laughs) They'd seen what happened if you didn't listen to Moses. They had seen the power of God through Moses. And now Joshua has to step up and give a few orders. Think about how encouraging it was for Joshua to hear the people say, hey, whatever you tell us, we're going to do. We're going to follow you like we followed Moses because we believe you're following God, Joshua. We're going to obey. We're going to do what's right. Too often we are like those that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 9 who will find every excuse possible not to obey, not to do what we're supposed to do. But faithful obedience, faith-filled obedience encourages leaders like Joshua and encourages others around us. Do you know why some children are not obedient to God's commands on their life because they've not seen it modeled in their parents. They have been told and they have had it modeled before them that God is important only as long as He doesn't demand preeminence over something else that ne- we would never say more important, but our actions will say is more important. Our actions convey far more to our children than our words ever will. And so we say, hey, God's important, but we're going to push God over to the side because, hey, this is, this is so much important, and this sporting activity or this, this arts activity or this personal activity is of greater value. Our obedience s- speaks to those around us, and it encourages them to do one way or the other, to walk in God's way or to walk in their way. The people said, we will do whatever you command. You encourage others by your obedience. Number three, we encourage through prayer. Notice what they say in the end of verse 17. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Joshua, our desire, what we're seeking, what we're asking God for is that he will be with you like he was Moses. If he is, then we're with you. Can you imagine how encouraging that was to Joshua's heart to know that they didn't just say, hey, we'll go along, we'll follow your leadership. They're saying, look, we're desiring, we're praying, we're hoping, we want God to be with you like he was with Moses. Now, we know that Joshua already had that relationship with God, but that desire of prayer, prayer itself will strengthen the person that is prayed for. But the knowledge of that prayer encourages as well. That's why I think it's so important when you pray for someone. It's not boasting. It's not saying, hey, look at me, I prayed. It's simply encouraging for people to know. The prayer itself has power and efficacy. But the knowledge that someone prayed for you is the most encouraging thing. I I often will hear from folks that I have not spoken to in years, and they'll say something like, hey, God brought you to my heart this morning, and I prayed for you. Man, that blesses me, and it encourages me. There may be someone in your life that God will bring to your heart and mind. God brings someone to your heart and mind that you hadn't thought about in a while. Don't take that for granted. Take a moment and pray for them, and then let them know so that they can be blessed not just by the prayer, but by the knowledge of the prayer. Number four, look in verse 18, the last part of the verse, you can encourage by God's word. We encourage by our faith, we encourage by our obedience, we encourage through prayer, but we can use the word of God to encourage others. He says in verse 18, whoever he is that does rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest them? We're going to put him to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. They were certain about following Joshua. But notice that last part, only be strong and of a good courage. Do you know what they're doing? They're reminding Joshua of a very powerful word from God that had been repeated to him throughout his life. We find it all the way back in the book of Numbers chapter 13 where Moses says to Joshua before he's going into Canaan to spy, be strong and of a very good courage. He'll say it to him again in Deuteronomy chapter 31 when he installs him as his successor. Be strong and of a good courage. And then God has said it in this chapter four times to Joshua. Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. And here we come to this last verse, and we hear it from the people. What are they doing? They're reminding Joshua of the promises of God. You know what Moses said to you, Joshua? You know what God has said to you? This is what we're saying to you. Be strong and of a good courage. Now, I know a lot of folks that use the word of God as a hammer to beat people over the head. And there are certainly times where we have to use the word as a sword, but the word is also a balm. The word is also a word of healing, and it's a word that will encourage. And so when our brothers and sisters around us and our family are beginning to falter, and they're struggling physically, and they're facing physical challenges, and they're facing emotional challenges with depression and anxiety, and they're facing spiritual challenges, they're beginning to drift from God, and they're beginning to drift from the church, and they need to hear a word from God. God can use us to speak His word to them, to encourage them. Be strong and of a good courage. And this is God's word to us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's the words of encouragement from God to us. Now, as we look at this, who encourages who? God encourages Joshua, who then encourages the people, who in turn encourage Joshua. Do you know that that's God's pattern of encouragement? God encourages us, we encourage others who then Encourage us. We see this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read these verses to you 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. The word that is the word comfort is our word that we get also the word encouragement from. It's not merely comforting someone who's grieving. It is is an encompassing word of encouragement. It really is the root word for the same work that the Holy Spirit does. But he's the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement. That tells me that one of the aspects of God's nature is encouragement. Now listen to this. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort or encourage them which are in any trouble by the comfort, encouragement, wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see this same pattern that happens here with Joshua? God comforts Joshua, who encourages the people, who then encourage Joshua. And God says here in 1 Corinthians, I'm the God of all comfort, and I'm going to comfort you so that you will then be able, I'm going to encourage you, so that you will then be able to encourage others with the same encouragement that you've been encouraged with. God never encourages us to simply make us feel better. He does it to encourage us so that we then be able to encourage others in his work to spur one another on, as Hebrews says. I love the fact that God is engaged in our encouragement. Do you know that the whole trinity is? God the Father is the one who gives the promises. He is the one that is described as the God of all encouragement. The Holy Spirit's name is the comforter, the encourager, the one who gives that encouragement and that grace, that measure of grace. And the Son, Jesus Christ, is the one who said, Lo, I am with you always." He's the one that said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He's the one who speaks peace to us. And it's the Holy Spirit who brings that same peace. So let me ask you this morning, how will you be an encourager? Not just a simple, hey, you're doing good. You look nice this morning. Things are gonna be okay. I'm not talking about general encouragement. I'm talking about spirit-filled, Christ-centered, gospel-progressing encouragement. Let me tell you that encouragement can be one of the greatest ways to share the gospel. This world is desperate for genuine encouragement, for something that has meaning, not not just catchphrases. I'm talking about real spiritual encouragement. Anybody can give general encouragement, but only a spirit-filled, Christ-honoring Christian who has received the grace of God can then give that grace. This world desperately needs it, and that is a way of sharing the gospel. And it is also a way to open up the door to share the gospel. So how will you be an encourager? Will you commit to being an encourager in your church, whether it's If you're a member here at Central or you attend somewhere else, will you be an encourager to retreat? Anybody can criticize, anybody can tear down, but it takes something, the grace of God, it work in us to be an encourager. So here's what I want you to do. Remember that piece of paper and pen that I asked you to get out? I can't ask you to come down to the altar this morning and Say, God, I'll be an encouragement for our church. I'll be an encourager in our family. I'll be an encouragement to my community. I'll use encouragement as a way of sharing the gospel and extending grace to others. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to write down the names of three people that you know that need encouragement. I want, to be, I want you to be specific. Don't, don't pick out the easy ones. Don't look around your house and say, okay, I'll encourage my, my husband and my two kids. They're right here. Hey, guys, you're doing great. You listen to the whole sermon. No, I I'm not talking about that easy kind of stuff. I'm talking about someone that's in your life, a family member, a coworker, a friend, a believer, or especially an unbeliever, who needs to hear a word of encouragement, a prayer. God, I'm going to pray for this person, and I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to... I'm going to continue to demonstrate by my life what a powerful testimony. By God's grace, next week we'll look at the power of a God story. But I heard a powerful God story this week that I want to share with you. I hadn't intended to use it this week. I intended to maybe share it next week. But I feel like this is the time to do it because it shows what a simple life of obedience can do pastor friend of mine pastors in South Carolina. He's originally from up in Greenville, North Carolina. Before he got saved, he was attending some classes at East Carolina University. He said through the semester, the professor who was an atheist had been tearing apart the Christian faith, tearing very eloquently tearing apart the idea that there was a God and that God created this world and He was almost at the point of saying, you know what, I believe I'm going to be an atheist. I'm going to accept this. I'm not going to. But he said there was this person in the class, a man in the class, that uh, just to be honest, they they used an almost derogatory term toward because they considered him a fanatic. He was one of those kind of people that uh, was just out there with their Christianity. And he said at the end of the class, this man stood up, this young man stood up, with a bold testimony for Christ. And he asked that professor, he says, do you believe that there is life after death? And the man said, no, I don't believe there is. He said, I do believe there is, and Jesus Christ is the one who makes the difference of whether we'll spend eternity in hell or in heaven. And he asked some more questions, and he declared his faith boldly in front of that whole class. He said, because of that, as I drove home, He said, I thought to myself, that man heard, that student heard the same lectures and the same comments that I heard, and yet he's not shaken in his faith. Maybe there's something more to this. About a year later, that man trusted Christ as his Savior, has pastored in churches for many years and brought many people to Christ through the gospel preaching. He said, that young man that stood up, probably remembers with confidence and with some assurance that testimony to his faith. But he will never know what a difference his testimony made, how it encouraged me and brought me to a place where I eventually trusted Christ. Let me tell you that our obedience, our faithful encouragement and witness, our stand for Christ is encouraging someone around us. So let your faith, encourage others. Let your obedience encourage others. Your prayer, encourage others. And use the Word of God to encourage others. Do you have those three names? Here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to close in a word of prayer this morning, and I'm going to ask you, as I pray, to right where you are, you can kneel down by your couch or you can just bow your head at your couch or your chair or in your car. Don't bow your head in your car if you're driving, but wherever you are, I want to ask you to pray over those three names and then determine that by God's grace, you will give encouragement to them. Father, thank you that you have encouraged us. Thank you for your grace. Now, Father, I pray for those who have written down names that, Lord, you will burden our hearts with those names and that we will not let this pass by lightly. We'll not merely just say a quick prayer, but, Lord, we will take steps to reach out to them. And as you have comforted and encouraged us, that we will then in turn comfort them. The same grace that has flowed to us will flow through us and flow to them. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning for anyone that is watching that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that right where they are, they will place their faith and trust in Him, and they will receive the grace and encouragement from Him that can come only through Him and that personal relationship with you. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, who are discouraged. Some have the burden of expectations weighing down on their shoulders. Some have lost family and friends and they're in desperate need of help and strength and peace. Lord, others are just tired of fighting this same battle that they fought over and over. Some are worn out by their jobs and the tasks and the extra burdens they've carried over these past couple of years. Lord, some are just weary of this world. I pray this morning, Lord, that your word will speak to them and draw them to yourself And may you become the light in their darkness. May you become the peace in their storm. May you become the grace in their struggle. We thank you and we give you praise for who you are for us and to us and through us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.